Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? I'm feeling a little bit back to normal. I'm back in my studio at the house and this this feels a lot better than sitting in the airport recording like we did last week. I thought that was really fun. I, yeah, I, I thought it was did. yeah, I thought it was enjoyable because I was totally relaxed. I was in my home studio, which is AKA not a studio, it's your just bedroom. Yes, just I have a couch in the bedroom that it's the place where I can get away from the dogs and everything and I just uh you know, that's my that's my spot, but I'm going to call it my studio cuz I'll be cool like you. So I thought it was pretty fun to hear you navigate all of that. But you're home, you're back, yeah. and so I'm sure everybody's feeling festive. We're dropping this on Christmas Day. Uh, but for those of you who are you who are listening, we are not recording this on Christmas Day because nobody's interested in that. Yeah, as much as we would love to wake up, record, and then go open presents, that ain't happening. So actually, we wouldn't love that at all. No, so, I wouldn't like that here we a bit. Are. No, hey, that's, but yeah. if you are listening to this while you open presents, number one, I'm sorry, and number two, you get a gold star because that's commitment right there. Um, but anyway, Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. We'll probably talk a little bit more about Christmas here at the end of the show. But Amy, our first episode of our next 300 episodes uh, starts off with us thanking our sponsor once again this week. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to providing theological education for individuals engaging in Christian ministry. Southwestern Seminary offers a variety of degree programs at the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels. And just this past year, our friends at Southwestern launched a new eight-week online class format. Uh, so you can take classes like just starting like right here in January, February, like this next semester. So you've got time to get going. Or if you want to complete your degree, you can do that as well with an eight-week class format. So uh, some online classes you can do in eight weeks. So that means you can get done quicker and get into ministry and, you know, be trained up for ministry even quicker. So if you're interested in taking the next step in your ministry preparation, visit swbts.edu to learn more about how you can get started. All right. Well, this is an episode that we have come to look forward to every year. Um, it's actually kind of part of a package of episodes that every year our, our tradition is that on the first episode of a year, we ask questions that we're setting out uh, to answer or things that we wonder about the coming year. And for our last episode of the year, we answer those questions and then we do some review, uh, you know, stories of the year, things like that. And then I release my list of the 10 most fascinating Southern Baptists of the year. And I'll give the sort of criteria that I use and things like that when we get to that part of the show. Yeah. But we'll get to the Barbara our, Walters part of the show later. That's right. But this is kind of the recap, the recap episode of the year. But we kick it off getting to answer the questions. And one thing that we do is whenever we ask our questions, we don't really look at them again until it's time. And I forget them. And then I go pull them out and look. And it's, it's, it's a, a very interesting exercise and was really interesting this year. So it's kind of yeah. COVID nineteen really played havoc on this list. It it did it did it was an unexpected 
unexpected year. So you think? Uh, yes. So anyway, the structure of this is we don't we we're not covering any news this week. It, it could be that news stories from this week might kind of weave into our conversation, but it's not a regular episode. So we follow this kind of same thing. So we're going to start out by answering our questions from January 2020. Yeah. So why don't you think kick of this it off? Yes. SBC this year, basically. There you go. Yeah. All right. So our questions from January 2020. Number one, how will American politics affect the SBC in 2020? Oh, my. I don't even know. I Well, see, here, here's what I'm going to push out. I don't think American politics directly affected the SBC as much in 2020 as maybe in previous election cycles because it was so diminished in the, um, I, I would say, in, in like, there, you know, we, we did have the conventions. We did have some debates. The the political stops, the campaigning was totally different because of COVID-19. Yeah, but I think I think it depends on how you consider the question because a lot of oh, yeah, obviously. a lot of COVID-19 issues overlapped with politics. There were questions about That's religious true. liberty. There were questions about the uh, PPP, the you know, how That's fair. lawmakers were dealing with this and it was mixed in with the presidential election mm-hmm. and you kind of you, you you throw all those things together and then you throw them onto social media, you do have uh, a real impact. But to your point, um, it, so many things were diminished. And the reality is social media was the only place we could have those conversations because we couldn't get in a room together. And a lot of rooms we couldn't get in together, board meetings, state conventions, things like that. So at least some of them. So the reality is, as you and I know, social media is only a small percentage of actual uh, Southern Baptists. And so we were we're just watching kind of a microcosm there. Yeah, I, I think the derivatives I, of American politics affected the SBC more than the actual politics did. I don't know if that maybe. makes sense or not. Maybe, but I, I don't know. I would I would venture to say when you put... COVID-19 plus some of the cultural issues that are playing out plus all of the legal things with the fallout from COVID-19 and you put an election on top of that, politics is everywhere right now. And so it's uh, okay, that's it, fair. it's it's kind of fascinating. But I'll just put it this way. Our question was, how will it affect the SBC? It has. I don't know that it I'm not sure what all has shifted and we will actually not see the sort of trickle down of it until next year. But to say how we just, we didn't have global pandemic in there when we asked that question. And I would say that's the thing. The biggest way that it affected the SPC in 2020. And I think you mentioned it earlier was on the religious Liberty side and government overreach slash, government mandates for closures and, and things like that. So I right. think that is the biggest way. If you, Churches, I wanted to say yes. the, the most impact, the most direct impact from American politics into the life of the SBC was through local, right. state, how, and federal decisions revolving around COVID-19. I think that's, I think that's very, very fair. Um, and then I think it it is true that we saw the election certainly was a major conversation for everyone so 
But that's number one. I got tickled, though, when I saw it. Uh, Number two, will we see more diverse first chair leaders? And we were thinking of some of the different state conventions that were out there. I think whenever we started the year, we didn't have any SBC entity openings. We'll talk a little bit about that, I think, in episode 302, because we will. Uh, But the uh, for as far as first chair leaders this year, we did not see any more diverse first chair leaders because there were only three, I would say, quote unquote, first chair positions that came open and were filled in 2020. And those were three state exec jobs, New Mexico, the Dakotas and Kansas, Nebraska. Uh, So we didn't we didn't see anything there. Yeah. All right. So number three, who will be nominated for SBC officers in Orlando? <laughs> and the answer Nobody. is no one. That's Nobody. Right. We thought no we one knew was in nominated. January, now we thought we knew a couple, but yes, nobody. Because remember those announcements. Because we had a couple of announcements for the office of president, for pastors' conference president, for um, vice president, second uh, second vice president, oh, second vice president, things like that. Yeah. What we have to remember is those are press releases of the intent to nominate. So. No one was nominated for SBC nope. office in Orlando because it, it doesn't actually happen until you're standing at that microphone making your speech. So that's an easy answer. Nobody. Nothing. Yeah. Nobody. Because Orlando didn't happen. All right. So next question. How will the major launch of GoTo affect sending numbers in coming years? All right. So this is a tough one because GoTo kind of launched, but kind of didn't. So we didn't have the major push that we were expecting from the annual meeting because obviously, as you see last question, annual meeting got canceled. But there was some efforts and some off getting off the ground of the go-to initiative, and we've seen a good response. It just hasn't been as public and as promoted as we would have expected to see. But so far, the go-to launch has been good i think considering the pandemic and and it's you know talking about sending numbers we saw more people sent this year from the imb the imb is still sending that's and right. we we saw more this year than we did last year so that's a good trend and we'll kind of go from there on that yeah yep all right number 5 will we see any recommendations for disfellowship from the credentials committee Yes, and we have seen one. So we saw one in February that was Ranchland Heights in Texas, and that was the first time a church was disfellowshipped uh, for issues related to sexual abuse. That was a church that was uh, has has a pastor who was a registered sex offender, and so that happened. Now we didn't see any more, but the credentials committee was unable to report to the executive committee because there was no regular meeting in June or September. So February was the only time that they were able to report to the executive committee in their normal cycle that they've set up. Yeah. So we await the next meeting of the executive committee, which is scheduled for February of 2021. That's right. So, but that was a big question because we were coming out of Birmingham where the committee had been established first. So, Mm -hmm. Very interesting. All right. What will be the outcome of the Baptism Sunday initiatives President Greer is promoting? Well, yeah, that we was didn't a tough see one Baptism cause... Sundays this year because they kind of got moved out of this because of COVID. So the first That's one was right. scheduled in March, whenever everything hit, March and April. 
And then another one was scheduled in like September, October, and it just didn't happen because of COVID-19. So we just, we don't really know. We didn't see an uptick in baptisms in the ACP reports this past year. So um, the limited promotion that they got in 2019 uh, didn't really move the needle in 2020, but 2020 and everything, it just, you know, that's That's right. where we are. So that's right. So the initiatives that were kind of hopefully going to be a a sort of jump start on that just were not able to happen. We have seen baptisms, though, in 2020, and we've seen some churches have more than they anticipated, particularly with a pandemic, including one that is kind of an unbelievable story that we just dropped at Baptist Press this week from Long Hollow there in the Nashville area. So if you haven't read that, anyone who's listening, we'll put a link in the show notes because it's pretty incredible. Like it's just an unbelievable story about, yeah. um, about, about really unscheduled, like unscheduled baptisms yeah. that just kind of came out of nowhere and people watching online and asking to be baptized, things like that. Yeah. Very cool story so, there. Yeah. Like you said, we'll put that in the show notes. Right. So, there you so, go. So, Amy, All right, next what question. would be the impact of LifeWay's retail strategy? Well, I I don't know how to answer this one. We we were asking it based on the fact that the stores, the physical stores mm-hmm. have closed, and so they were beginning to do more online and then selling in, you know, stores like Barnes & Noble yeah, or places like that. Yeah, they had some like partnership that. programs, um, and, and those were going good. Because remember, we reported right. in February, after the LifeWay trustee meeting in February, that had really amped up. They had, I think, more than 400 locations nationwide that they had, you know, partnered with for Lifeway resources in local stores, and things were going good. Right. And then March and COVID, and everything yes. everywhere and went, so, went bad. That's right. Everything has has sort of changed, and so it's pretty impossible to answer that question because the strategy isn't wasn't able to have any kind of major impact because something else had an impact on it. Yeah. Well, so, I think the strategy initially was headed in the right direction and something right. else impacted it. So, yeah. Yes. So, there you go. All right. Will we break $200 million in national CP receipts this budget year? We did not, but we did break $192 million, which I think if I'd have told you Back in March, whenever the pandemic hit, that we would still wind up at 192 million. You would have been very thankful for that, and I, I was thankful for that even when it happened in the end of September. Right. So, while we didn't hit 200, I think you and I are both really grateful for the 192. Everybody's really grateful for that, and that's the national CP side of things. You know, the total CP is around 467 million, which is still incredible, based on everything that we know about the pandemic and just where churches have been this year. So I, I'm extremely grateful for where we are, even though we didn't get to the 200 million because of COVID-19, I think mainly we still to hit 192 was incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. Number nine, this one, this one hurts. Will the Annie Armstrong Easter offering hit another record high? Um, no, no, it didn't because COVID that, that should be like the, the name of this episode because COVID. That's right. That that was a tough one. And honestly, we did see some really great ways mm-hmm. of handling this. We saw the, the drive through 
Yeah. Right. The drive through Annie Armstrong offering at Buck Run, you know, some some good stuff. But we just it it especially the time that it hit, so much was in flux, a lot of questions about the, the economy, week. things like that. Right. The week that it was supposed to be promoted was the week everything shut down. I mean, it just the worst possible timing. And but again, like we talked about with the one ninety two for CP, to be in the forty five to fifty million dollar range even with a pandemic, was incredible, in my opinion. And, and Nam echoed that as well, to be where they were, even though it wasn't at 62 to 65 million or wherever we were thinking it might be, just to be at 45 to 50 where it was, incredible. Yeah, pretty amazing. All right, and then last the, the question. Sad one, Amy. This is a uh, hard one for we me. We were so positive for this one in January. Yes. The question was, Will we hit 10,000 messengers in Orlando? Uh, we would have. I'm we so certain would have. we would have. We would have blown that out the water. Because uh, we, I mean, we were watching it. We were watching the registrations. We were watching the hotel sales. We were expecting somewhere north of 12,000 people. We were going to hit 10,000 messengers. And but it didn't happen. we didn't. But we I was certain. I was certain this would be the year. Uh, but no. Uh, so. One of these years, Andy. Yep. One of these years. One of these years. Well, those are our 10 questions from January. And um, man, that, that last one, that, that's way to, way to end on a downer, Amy. I know. Really sad. Really, really sad. But we got we had some good stories, though. We did. We had some we really good stories. Yes. So those are our 10 questions, Amy, for the year. Let's take a look back at the top stories of the year. And these are provided to us from Baptist Press. There's a, a link. We'll put it in the show notes. It's the top Southern Baptist news stories of 2020. You'll, you'll hear a lot of overlap between what we just talked about and what's going on here in the SBC. Uh, but Amy, we'll start the big one of the year, obviously, the COVID-19 global pandemic. Yeah, so the story that Scott did was really good because it shows all of the different things that happened over the year and and how this affected so many different things, stories that I had kind of forgotten because you remember things were happening so rapidly. Like this started... The first time I really was hearing about it was when there was the prayer call with yep. some SBC leaders, you know, so there that was really the first story I remember. It may not be it may not have been the very first one, but it's the first one I remember sort of talking about. Then all of a sudden we started hearing about the IMB organizing a task force, then that mis- the mission team in Israel that yeah. got, got stuck. stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we start thinking through the annual meeting, all, you know, all of these things. Then we're trying to figure out what our churches are going to do. And so this story was an incredible recap of the year because we were experiencing it in terms of the news in real time. So mm-hmm. much that now that we're here, COVID is just this, it's just kind of this reality. It makes you forget how each domino was falling. You know, mm-hmm. it was pretty crazy. Uh, but the first line of this article is everything, it seems, changed on Wednesday, March 11th. And yes, I thought, I man, true that. words. That's yeah. One of those one of those days, like you talk to your parents and they tell you about where they were on the moon landing, you know, in 1969. Yeah. And when that happened and or when, when Kennedy was shot or things like that, 
we in 1963. As for me, like our the things that I remember, I mean, I think you and I would both agree, the two big events, 9-11. You remember where you were when you heard about that? Absolutely. And then I remember March 11th as well. Like I remember going, trying to get home from church because the NBA, the Rudy Gobert, Gobert thing had happened and he had tested positive. He was the first person in the NBA. They'd canceled the game. The president was going to address the nation that night. I'm scrambling to get home. And I mean, we're all like tuned into the TV. I remember that night very vividly and you and I texting back and forth about what's going on and everything. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and I remember I was getting ready to move into one of my most hectic travel seasons. I had like five trips in three weeks or something like that. And all of a sudden, like one at a time, everything got no canceled. In, right. In three weeks. Right. And all of a sudden we're, we're going nowhere. And no. so period like, yeah, nowhere, like not just travel, but like nowhere at yeah. all. Yeah. Nobody's so. going to work. Nobody's, we're not going to, you know, we're wa- we were watching our worship services online. It was just a really, uh, in- really amazing time to, to think about, but it's a great year end report on that to just, Almost just kind of go back through There's just a lot of flashpoints that I didn't remember and to put it all together as part of the story. But it led to what was really, when I think about this historically, I think yeah. we're going to look back on this year with one major effect. And that is the first time in 75 years that an annual meeting got canceled. Yes, there's a story at Baptist Press specifically on that. Diana Chandler did uh, a, a good recap of everything that went into that and why that had to be canceled and the meetings that went into it. And so, uh, like you said, on the SBC side of things, like COVID-19 has affected a lot of things. But from a historical standpoint, nothing may be bigger than the cancellation of the annual meeting for the first time since 1945. So, yeah, that, that was put us in a place where we just kind of you know, you're trying to figure out things as you go every day because, well, we don't have this. You know, there's a lot of things that the annual meeting affects, uh, everything from trustees to motions to resolutions, all these different type of things that happen every year didn't happen. So what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, the, the, there's no new officers. The officers carry on for another year. So what does that look like? You know, it just, there were so yeah. many different things, so many new things that we had never even thought through that were affected because of the COVID-19 global pandemic that related to the cancellation of the annual meeting. That's right. All right. So the the next story, and and this is kind of something that we were dealing with at the same time was the racial tension and the SBC's response really stemming from the death of George Floyd. That's right. So when, when George Floyd died in custody of Minneapolis police, that was certainly one of the biggest stories of 2020 for our nation but the response of the SBC in not just immediately following, but really in, in following months, there, there were just, just a number of things that kind of happened in the wake of that. There were a number of protests. There were riots. People were talking about, you know, responses to, to that. Everyone is processing that in real time. And so, some of the stories that we had on that and we talked about were uh, a statement of Southern Baptist leaders condemning racism. There was a virtual town hall meeting, essentially, that Dr. Floyd hosted on Facebook Live. 
also just continuing stories on this conversation, which honestly, this is an ongoing conversation for us in the Southern Baptist Convention from everything uh, from the Mississippi Baptist Convention getting involved in the conversation about the state flag, which was replaced this year. Um, and then, and then even recent discussions, which we've covered over the last few weeks related to critical race theory and that continuing conversation, which I think we'll move into 2021. Yeah. Carry into 2021 for sure. All right. So next big one, Lifeway announces that they have agreed to sell Ridgecrest. Yeah. So this started out with Lifeway saying that they were going to sell Ridgecrest. Uh, back in the summer, and then moved into the formation of the Ridgecrest Foundation and their attempts to purchase the uh, conference center out there in North Carolina. It's a 1,300-acre property in North Carolina that includes the conference center and the two summer camps. Uh, and we've had a story, we've talked about it here on the podcast, about the Ridgecrest Foundation, their attempts to raise $12.5 million to finance the purchase. And we still haven't heard a resolution of this. Uh, they said that they had expected to close by the end of the year. Uh, I think it was first by the end of November, but I think that moved to the end of the year. So we still don't know if this is going to happen in 2020. This may wind up eventually happening in 2021, but all of this got started back earlier this year and was a huge story and one of our biggest stories of the year uh, as far as page views goes at Baptist Press too. So uh, that is over there. Uh, We'll also link to that in the show notes. All right, now tell us about the next one, which is a big one. I think in conversation with people, I sort of captioned this as lawsuits galore. But <laughs> uh, yeah, SVC entities go to court. Talk yeah, us there, through if, this. You, you Put our sound effect in. Bring our sound oh yeah. effect. Oh yeah. So this is a legal update. So we got to put it in here. There it is. Okay. So uh, three real big things this year. We have the continuation of the NAM and Will McCraney lawsuit. This lawsuit filed by McCraney against the North American Mission Board. That's going back and forth and could even wind up with a Supreme Court ruling, possibly. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on last week's podcast, and uh, and that's not a, a ruling on the case, but on whether it should be heard in the fifth court on bonk. But uh, we'll wait on that in early 2021, it sounds like. But there's also the ongoing uh, battle right now, too, between Southwestern and Baylor with a charitable foundation that is set up to benefit the schools. So that is ongoing as well. So we'll talk probably a little bit about that in 2021. And also Lifeway sued its former president, Tom Rainer, over alleged violations of his separation agreement with the entity, which was later resolved. Uh, that that lawsuit reached resolution back a couple of months ago. So that one did get resolved, but there were three entities involved in lawsuits this year. And two of those, at least, are carrying on into next year. We'll wait and see when those lawsuits and how they are resolved. All right. So another one which we've already talked about in the questions was the withdrawal of fellowship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned from, Ranchland Heights. Right. With Ranchland Heights Baptist yeah. Church. So, so yeah. that was so, one of the ones that we just covered earlier. So obviously that was a big story. That's right. All right. Next, the presidential election and the Supreme Court shift, which was not something that happened inside the convention, but certainly had an impact for the convention, which it also relates to one of our questions earlier. Yes. Yes, it did. You know, we talked about the political uh, involvement and the political impact on the Southern Baptist Convention. I think at the beginning of the year, neither one of us expected the Supreme Court shift like it did, and especially the way it happened, happening so late in the election cycle. 
uh, with Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away in September and then Amy Coney Barrett being confirmed to the court in October. So we'll have to see how that will impact future court decisions as we move forward into 2021. But yeah, there was a, you know, obviously the big presidential election and Joe Biden being elected president and, you know, this big shift in the Supreme Court. What will that look like in the future? I, I bet we find out in 2021. I bet so. I think I think we very much will several times over, probably. Yes. All right. Here's one from the executive committee. So we had an election this summer for a new chairman. So why don't you tell us about that? Why was that a top story? Yeah. Roland Slate became the first African-American chairman of the executive committee. So in its 100 plus year history, the executive committee had never been chaired by an African-American until this year when Roland Slade, he's a pastor from El Cajon, California, was elected as its chairman. All right. Now, huge story that kind of got missed in everything. This really got announced early before the pandemic, really before the pandemic became such a thing. Uh, So it kind of got lost in the shuffle, but actually really became important this year. And that is Send Relief. Yeah. So Send Relief became a partnership with IMB and NAM that included the merging of Baptist Global Response into Send Relief and a new combined compassion ministry effort between NAM and the IMB under this big, broad umbrella of Send Relief. So this happened at the February meeting, which kind of got drowned out a little bit by the launch of Vision 2025, as well as the formation of the ERLC study task force. Those were kind of the two big pieces that came out of this. You said this kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit because like just a month later, you had the global pandemic hit. And then, you know, we've done some stuff and talked about Send Relief, but it really hasn't gotten the kind of the the notoriety that it probably should have or would have in a regular year, right? So uh, this is a big thing, and this is going to have a long-term impact for Southern Baptists. I think when we look back at 2020 in 10 to 15 years, we may look at this as one of the biggest positive impacts of or positive news stories of 2020 because of what Send Relief will be able to do from now until the Lord comes through the partnership between NAM and IMB. That's right. That's right. Yeah, And and by the way, Brent Wright named the president of Send Relief. Too. He, yes. he runs that. We had him on a, um, a video call with when we were doing everything during the pandemic. We had, you know, the weekly video interviews with Baptist Press I was doing had Bryant right on there. So um, glad to see him involved in this and leading up our Sin Relief Compassion Ministries. Just been a, a really good thing for Southern Baptist, both here in North America and around the world. Absolutely. All right. Now, the final top story was Jerry Falwell resigning from Liberty University. Yeah. Wow. You talk about another surprising story here is that, you know, Sunday night back in the summer, like what was it August? I think it was just out of the blue. He releases this statement and that leads to a resignation later on uh, a couple of weeks later. So a uh, picture surfaced to him on a boat. You know, there was just a, a long story drawn out kind of story um, that eventually led to President Falwell resigning from his presidency at Liberty. So uh, they're still without a president and have an interim president right now. Jerry Prevo is serving as the interim president and we await a, a new president and they've announced the search team, right? And they've announced a new structure. I think it was that they're looking for a chancellor as well as a president. And um, we just await that news from Liberty. And I think that's something we'll probably see in 2021. I would think so. Yes. Yeah. 
So those are our big stories. That link is available at Baptist Press and and as well as at our uh, show notes for today's episode. That's right. And we also there we also have on Baptist Press other recaps like the 10 most read Baptist Press stories as well as just stories that uh, that we just that we just liked that people liked. Yeah. So. And and one of those we're going to talk a little bit about here in this next section of the episode and that is the Barbara Walters session when Amy turns into Barbara Walters and kids you're going to have to google Barbara Walters and just find out who she is cuz it it occurred to me when I said that earlier there's probably some people who don't know who she is who listen That's to right. us. That's right. She's which, yeah, she's not doesn't, doesn't really come out much anymore. All right. So, this comes from a show that I used to love to watch at the end of every year where Barbara Walters would release her she she's a longtime reporter for ABC News and she would release her list of 10 most fascinating people of mm-hmm. the year. Yeah. And she like had a 2020 a few, special. That's right. And so she had a few rules. It did not, I mean, you would have people from all different walks of life. They did different things, different industries, things like that. Uh, one year it was like, it was Ken Jennings, who was the Jeopardy yeah, champion. The Jeopardy guy. You know, it, so it's, from so Utah. it's people like that. Yeah. And the, and it, there was no kind of, they didn't have to be a certain level of fame. They didn't have to be, she just had to find them fascinating and maybe have had some, something during that year that made them so. Mm -hmm. Um, and they also had to be living. So it couldn't be someone that, you know, had been lost during the year. So I loved watching it every year because I started enjoying guessing who might be on her list. And so it was like this game that I would play uh, with uh, with Leah Finn. Actually, I got Leah playing the game with me. So we would try to guess leading up to it. So one day we were doing the show and I thought uh, th- this podcast and I thought I want to do my own list of 10 most fascinating people. So I've had yeah. some great, uh, great people on the list. I, I really wanted to have a repeat this year with uh, to put Trevor Lawrence on there. But I just thought. Well, I've never done a repeat, so we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. But you mean the guy who finished second last year in the the NCAA? Of course, rankings? you're gonna go there. Of course, you're gonna go there. He's fascinating. He is. Uh, I also received a question in my home today of why I didn't have Keith Whitfield on my list. Um, was that from he, Keith, or was that from one of the it children? It was. It was not from Keith. I'm not gonna say who asked, uh, but. Um, I was asked that, and so I want to go ahead and give a disclaimer that he is always the most fascinating Southern Baptist to me, but yeah. that just goes without saying. So we're going to say, like, he's number one, and then this is the next 10. Okay. These are in no particular order, and there is no there's no ranking here of importance. It's just they're fascinating people. All right? All right. So we start with Brenda Gant. Yes. So my the the first one on my list is Brenda Gant who had an incredible story back in the middle of the pandemic. So Brenda Gant, if you didn't read the story, she is from Andalusia, Alabama. She started this cooking show during the pandemic on Facebook called Cooking with Brenda Gant where she taught people how to make biscuits and it had like 3 million Facebook views. So then she started doing other things. And then as she did, she started talking about her church, Bethany Baptist Church, and inviting people to attend the online services after watching her video. And it actually, like, 
skyrocketed the views of her church. And so it's incredible. And here's the crazy thing. So when I was pulling this up, the article on Baptist Press, I just did it going through Google. I just did Brenda Gant Baptist Press. And I started popping up. There were all these like questions that, you know, how Google will have the questions. And it's questions like, does Brenda Gant have a cookbook? Um, where's Brenda Gant's bis- biscuit video? Things like this. She's a like well, she's a, a very popular, popular woman. Um so she runs a bed and breakfast, you know, just does all of these things. So I think she is incredibly fascinating. I've never met her, but I would love to. Um, so she was my first one. Uh, by the way, I want I want Brenda to give me biscuit making lessons because that would be awesome. So if you can arrange that, we can put her on again next year. I'll allow a repeat. Okay. All right. all right. Well, you can watch her next, tutorial. So, well, I know, but you know, personal lessons are cool. All right. That's next right. up, good friend of the pod. We've talked about him several times, but probably not for the reason that we're going to talk about him this year. Scott James. Scott James. Dr. Scott James of Birmingham, Alabama. So he is, um, he's a, an elder at Church of Brook Hills. So layman, very involved though, and involved in, in the SBC. He is a pediatric infectious disease specialist. So this has been quite a year for him. Um, and he's done a lot of things. He actually did a lot of things through uh, the ERLC's website with articles, Q&A on the, on the coronavirus, on COVID-19, um, some, other, some other things about that. And he is a children's book author. So I think I've always thought that was fascinating that He's we a had Renaissance this. man. Yeah, that we had this layman infectious disease specialist who writes children's books that we've used as resources of the week. Littlest Watchman is a Christmas book that I love, even though my kids are, are teenagers. I, I love that one here in our house. But always has been fascinating, but this year in particular, especially as he was able to kind of step in and be a resource. He was on a conference call, one of the ones we did with uh, communications folks, I think early on in this, just helping answer questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so that's I, when I think things really got real in the SBC for us is when we, we scheduled this conference call and everybody was dropping things left and right to be on that call because they knew they had to be a part of it. And Scott came on and just really laid things out. That was, that's, that's kind of when it hit home, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, he's got to be on the list because this is a committed, engaged uh, Southern Baptist in the process, but also one who is out there in a different vocation that was a big deal this year. So, um, so he's kind of a frontline person, really sacrificing. So definitely Scott James. Also, you mentioned frontline person. He's also vaccinated Scott James. I don't know if you saw his tweet a couple days ago. I did. He got his vaccination. He did. Yes. He did. All yes. right. Up next, Renee Trawick, a name that should be familiar if you listen to the pod. Yes, absolutely. So Renee Trawick was elected Guidestones board chair this year. She was elected on March the 2nd. Um, she, this was the first time in the history of the SBC for one of our boards to have an African-American woman as trustee chair. Um, and, and really, I mean, I think, I think by calculation, she's only the third board 
chair ever. There was uh, back in the 90s, I believe the ERLC. Female board chair. Right, female board chair. Not um, the third one ever for Guidestone. No, 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 no. <laughs> the third female board chair in the SBC. There had been one, I believe, in the 90s or maybe early 2000s for ERLC. And then Southeastern had um, uh, Becky Gardner mm-hmm. as the chair and now Renee Trawick. Now, she is a vice president at Marsh USA in New York and is very active in, in Southern Baptist life. Um and really, I mean, I think has been on the board for a while. She was vice chair. Just seems like an incredible woman. I have not gotten to meet her, but would like to. Yes, so absolutely. I, and yeah, so when I do, I'll have to say, I think you're fascinating. I put you on the fascinating list. So, exactly. All right. Yes, I love to hear from people all over the country who are involved in Southern Baptist life. So. Okay, number cool. four. Are we allowed to call him friend of the pod? I think so. Yes, yes, we're going to do it. Charles. Charles Billingsley. I had to put him on there. We had an incredible conversation with him earlier this year. Charles By the Billingsley. Way, in, in my book, he's just Charles. He doesn't, he one name. Okay. Okay. He's like Madonna. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I think if you're a regular listener and you heard our interview, you know that I was kind of geeking out because I was Kinda. big. I was a big new song fan back in college when he was part of of that band. And so Charles Billingsley is really no stranger to most folks who are in the SBC and has been around for a lot of pastors conferences and annual meeting, things like that through the years. Um, but this year really came into the news because of his battle with COVID-19, which mm-hmm. landed him in the hospital right around the same time that he had an yeah. album that was coming out. Yeah. And so, if you haven't listened to that interview, you need to go back and hear it because he details like what he went through and wow. Yeah, really, really, really incredible. So I had to put that out there because I think he is a fascinating Southern Baptist. We learned things like I didn't realize all that his dad had done. Yeah. Um, yeah, just re- really incredible. And so lifelong SBCer, uh, but this year certainly was quite the year for him. Absolutely. So, yep. yeah. And by the way, go go get a CD. Yeah, the one that he released this year. It's outstanding. So actually, the other day, and if you if you want to, uh, there he has a Christmas special that he did a few years ago that I saw on TV the other day. I think you can probably find it. It's just Charles Billingsley. It was the Oh Holy Night by Charles Billingsley uh, special, and I watched it the other day on TV. Fantastic. So yes. I, I highly recommend that. So check his uh, Christmas special out if you want to. You can tune that up today here uh, since it's Christmas. Listen to Charles Billingsley and his his Christmas special, or watch it there at the house. So, yep. All right, number five, uh, a name I'm not familiar with. Amy, got to admit, Curtis James. You will be as soon as I remind you who it is. Okay. Curtis James definitely deserved to be on the list this year. He lives in Arlington, Texas, and is the family pastor for Tate oh. Springs Baptist Church. Yes. He okay. has to be on this yes. list because anyone is fascinating who sits down and builds their church in Minecraft. So yes. And not only did he build the, his church. He built his church so that they could host a virtual Easter egg hunt because he realized that they would use their Easter egg hunts to get families from the area to come. But now at that point in COVID-19, they couldn't meet. 
And so everybody's thinking about what to do about Easter services, but then he was thinking about the outreach events that they have, and he came up with a Minecraft server where they actually like designed the church. There was a water park in it, all kinds of just crazy stuff. And they had a huge response, like just ton, um, because this like this really took off and the National Esports Association stepped in to kind of offer resources, help out. So this was a really cool thing and they used it as an evangelistic opportunity because uh, kids yeah. love Minecraft. But I just had, I just have to tell you, Number one, it's a creative idea. Number two, to turn around and go into Minecraft and basically build your church virtually and then put Easter eggs everywhere, that definitely deserved to make the list. Absolutely. So Curtis James, he's the coolest. Yeah, and and that story did make one of the Baptist Press stories of the year as well, like the the Editor's Choice stories. So do check that out because they they also had like great follow-up from... Uh, people being able to share the gospel and everything. So really, really cool story. Number six, Caleb Freeman. Yes. So Caleb Freeman, for those, I I don't know how many are aware of, of him, but he is a student. Essentially, he's a teenager that a few years ago, um, had a car accident, devastating car accident that Really, it's a miracle that he survived and has recovered to the point that he has. Uh, His father, Jeremy Freeman, is a pastor there in Oklahoma, also very involved in Southern Baptist life, has served as a trustee at Southeastern Seminary. Well, Caleb, so this this happened a a couple years back, but Caleb this year really has kind of hit the road as an evangelist to students. He reached the point in his recovery where he could do that and and get out. And it's been pretty phenomenal, some of the things that have happened when he's been out there sharing the gospel and the inspiration that he has been to other students. So there's a Facebook page. It's called Pray for Caleb. It tells a, a lot of what's going on with him on the road um, and just the way that the Lord is using him him to reach students. And I've been really struck by him just because as we've talked about that student baptism, that decline in student baptisms and how we want to turn that around. That was part of Vision 2025. Caleb is someone that we've talked about over the year and some of the things that he's doing. And so I uh, I wanted to put him out there because I have been watching his journey and it's been it's been pretty incredible. So he definitely makes the list, and we will put some of those resources up there. You can see videos of what all he has been doing. All right, that brings us to our next one, Abby Cavanaugh. It seems like we we have to have a, a a youngster every year now. I like it. Absolutely. So Abby Cavanaugh, which is not her real name, this is a pseudonym um, because she is asterisk. That's right. Right. Her family serves with the IMB in East Asia. Abby Cavanaugh gave all of her vacation money, $32.20 in May to the IMB. So COVID-19 had canceled her family's vacation and it pushed the IMB to have to pay for all the relocation of its personnel. And so they were estimating a $4 million shortfall. So she knew about this. And she had $32.20, and she decided, I need to give the money to the IMB. So then her parents matched the gift. Then they started putting out on social media, asking people to join in and give $32. And it just started going and going and going. And they called it Abby's Challenge. 
And so on September 15th, Paul Chitwood was able to tell Abby through a video call that 155 people had given a total of more than $13,000, all because of just her heart wanting to give in that way. And then there is even a spot where you can give to Abby's challenge is what it calls. And I actually don't Mm -hmm. even know where the number is now. Yeah, it was, it was up there. I mean, we gave to it. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. So really incredible, but she definitely went in there because the Lord really used her in a powerful way at a difficult time. Absolutely. All right. Up next, Natalie Maxey. All right. You didn't know who this was, did you? No, I didn't. All right. So this was actually from a story in one of our state papers, The Baptist Message in Louisiana. There we go. God's country. That got my attention very early in the pandemic. And I, I just, I was struck by this. So Natalie Maxey is assistant professor of engineering at Louisiana College. Okay. And Pineville. she she started uh, she saw a social media post in Montana that kind of got her attention as to ways that she could start. And this was in that moment where we were all trying to figure out what to do, where to start. This thing was kicking off and people were sort of caught off guard. She started making frames for protective face shields using the 3D printer in the school's engineering lab. So she started, she had noticed that uh, that companies were firing up their 3D printers uh, from something she saw on social media. So she called Rick Brewer about the project and they realized that the 3D printers they had in their engineering department could produce the N95 face mask. But they, but so they, they called to see if that could help, but they actually had an ample supply of that. They are, the, ever, the hospitals nearby had that, but they didn't have enough face shield frames. And so Louisiana College jumps in and started just developing those, printing them. They took about 75 minutes on the 3D printers all because of um, of what she was doing. So they got donations to outfit a room uh, there in the to outfit a classroom with a 3D printer, all of these things. And so Natalie Maxey, it was just another person who is doing their work, but then figure it out. Here's a way that I can help. That got my attention all the way back uh, in March. And so I had to put her on the list. All right. Well, that's cool. I didn't know about that. Rick Brewer is going to be upset he didn't make the list, Amy, because of his piano playing CD. You know what? So. I bet I bet he is so proud of his faculty. If I know how college presidents he's are, probably right. You're that probably right. he he would give give that over. Uh, but he's very fascinating as well. Honorable yes. mention. Yes. Yes. All right. Number nine, John Nelson. Yes, John Nelson uh, was elected president of the Missouri Baptist Convention this year, first ever African-American president of that convention. Um, but he caught my attention because there's actually a story from 2019 when he was elected as vice president there as the first African-American officer. And it's a story that, that talks about how he went from atheist to the first black Missouri Baptist vice president. And so it's a, a great story. He grew up in his parents' church in Kansas City, but really wrestled with Christianity, said he would privately engage in debates to destroy others' faith by asking venomous and loaded questions. And so he was beginning to consider himself an atheist 
but he wanted, and so he wanted others to kind of have that freedom of rejecting. So he, that really started when he was in high school and then college in, um, at Kansas state. But he said there was one young lady, a believer in Christ, that no matter what he did, she would not run away. We keep coming back and forgiving. And so through a series of sins and gracious forgiveness, he found his way into a church and heard the clear drawing gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, So he planted Soma Community Church uh, in Jefferson City. And that's around Lincoln University. And so then he was elected first vice president of the Missouri Baptist Convention last year. Then he became president of the Missouri Baptist Convention this year. Um, every I've never met John Nelson, but every person I hear that talks about him seems to have just tremendous respect for him. And I think that's an incredible story of God's grace in someone's life. So I wanted to share him. I think that was a great milestone, and he is fascinating. All right. And then finally, a lady who needs no introduction. That's right. You want me to say it? Do I get to say it? Drum roll. I said she needed no introduction. So that's that's true. All right. So this was a story that I was absolutely geeking out over. Um, and I'm going to name her. She's really not just fascinating in 2020. She's fascinating, period. And that well, she's is, been fascinating for a long time. That's right. And that is Rebecca Naylor. So uh, Rebecca Naylor, medical missionary to India uh, for many, many years. This year, she was appointed Distinguished Professor of Missions in the Roy Fish School of Evangelism and Missions. First woman ever to be named a Distinguished Professor at Southwestern. Uh, She's the daughter of Robert Naylor, who was the fifth president of Southwestern, but really is kind of a rock star uh, with the IMB, particularly in medical missions. You know, I can't remember if I talked about this when her story came out, but there was a dinner one year at the SBC that Keith got to go to, and I wasn't able to go, and he sat next to her. And I missed out. So he actually came home that night telling me how fascinating, came back to the room telling me how fascinating she was. So she definitely gets on this list this year. All right. Well, very cool. There you go. So that's your list of fascinating people. And once again, I didn't make it. It hurts. It's all right. Neither did Keith, which I already heard about Uh, today. So, (laughs) But not from Keith. All right. Uh, None of your kids are advocating for me to be on there, I'm sure. All right, so that brings us to our last point of the year, our resource of the year, and our resource of the year is? It is the timeline, the virtual timeline that the IMB put up this year uh, for the 175 years that uh, missionaries have been sent. I think it is a really incredible Baptist history resource. It's a great website, just done very well. We're going to put a link in the show notes, obviously, of this. I think that I'm going to be biased because I love Baptist history, but I think it's one of the best resources that we have out there. And it's totally free. Yeah. So So. check that out, imb.org slash 175. And you can check out that timeline. Just a a great reminder of all the things that have gone on over that 175-year history of the International Mission Board. So that is our year-end recap, our 2020 in a nutshell, a really big nutshell, by the way. Uh, but uh, we, we've covered a lot of ground today, Amy, and it's been a fun year once again. Thank you for all who have listened. Thanks to Southwestern for sponsoring the podcast. Merry Christmas to all. And Amy, I'll see you next year. See you next year. See you next year.